created live on Fireside. Welcome to Go Team, the sports history podcast that invites you to take a nice, refreshing glass of wine in the midst of an intense and long athletic venture. I'm your host, Kelly, and with me, as always, is my wonderfully tall husband, who also enjoys a glass of refreshing wine during an athletic event, Josh. Hi, happy to be here. Wonderful introduction, but I'm going to correct you. It's a Miller High Life tonight. Oh, uh, that's right. I have the wine. You have the high life. Um, We're back. We had some weeks off here from podcasting because we went on vacation. Epic. Hiking galore. (laughs) It was. uh, You know, I was actually thinking about while we hiked, I was like, you, you don't often hear of hiking as a sport. Yeah, it's not. I don't think that uh, hiking is like a. I mean, they have ultra marathons, I think, and right. um, like trail running. Maybe that could be a sport. True. Yeah, cross country, I suppose, is kind of like hiking, just doing it really fast. Really fast. You're not enjoying the sights at all. You're well, I'm, about, I'm all about leisure. Even even in my hiking, let's do this leisure. Let's do this at a at a snail's pace, if you will. I agree. I don't really like to rush when I hike one because it's just hard and it makes it harder. But um, our two two of our three sons um, really like to rush and they walk pretty fast. And because I think they're just trying to get it over with and get back to the video games and the phones. <laughs> I don't know, but they walk so fast. But yeah, so we had a few weeks off, so we are um, just coming back into it. I got to kind of, I feel like I got to shake off the podcast rust a little bit. A little rust, a little cobweb? Maybe a little bit, yeah. Like I've gotten kind of out of uh, talking uh, for a long time, I think. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what we do here is talk for a long time. Well, and you you got a marathon of a story to tell tonight. See what I did there? Oh, it was oh. great. It was great. I know, um, right? Come on. <laughs> it was fantastic. It was, a, it was a great dad pun. And um, I applaud you for it. I thank you for it. Um, fact, I'm going to yeah. give myself my own applause. Oh, my gosh. Are you for real? Of course you are. Of course you are. Um, yeah, so this is uh, starting our sort of series of Olympic-themed shows. So if you're new to our show, we do – normally we do um, on our long-form show of Go Team, we do the history and stories behind how professional and amateur and semi-professional teams across all sports have gotten their names um, you know, like, why are the Dodgers called that? How did the Knicks get their name? Those kind of things, which are super interesting and are all past episodes. So you can look those up wherever you like to pod. But for this month, because we're such Olympics nuts, I think, freaks, fans, we decided to do all Olympic episodes. So for this, our long form go team. And then we have a shorter t- episode that we do on Tuesday nights here on Fireside called Sidelines. That's a little bit more freeform and just us talking about some rando stuff. But we're making it all Olympics because I love the Olympics. I'm well, really you used, used, used to only get to celebrate it every four years. Yes, you did. Uh, but, I mean, still technically for each individual for Olympics. For each but... one, yeah, for each one. I mean, Remember I'm that wait, of... though? Remember that wait as a kid? You're like, man, four years I got to wait again? Four yeah, because you would kind of forget about it, and then they'd come back and be like, oh, yeah, Olympics is a thing. That's yeah. a thing. But now it's, you know, I feel like it's more in the front of mind of many people, especially since this Olympics was pushed a year because of goddamn COVID. Um, so we're kind of, I mean, I feel like it's still going to have its same fanfare and feel. It's not going to be the great world unifying event that I first thought it was going to be because they're not allowing spectators from outside the country to come in. Which is sad to me, but um, I'm hoping the opening ceremonies still have like give you the feels. I hope. I yeah. I want some, uh, you know, I don't know something to recognize the year that we just all went through and that we got through it, and here we are on the other side of it. Is what I'm really hoping for. Maybe there's going to be battle bots. 
I don't know what that has to do with anything. Because it's in Japan. Japan's got battle bots. It's like a I thing. I don't think There's it's like... going to have battle bots. Um, but, uh, so, yes. Tonight we are talking about the Olympic marathon. And I, I picked the Olympic marathon to do because when I was thinking about summer Olympic events, um, and I was thinking about what's the, like, what's the, the one that is when normal people see it, you're like, Oh my God, you know, I can't believe people can do that. And to me, it was the marathon because I think running is hard in general, but running 26 miles is really hard. And when I was first, before I started researching um, about the marathon, I was like, man, these people are just superhuman. You know, like they, it's unbelievable that they can do this and that they're in such good shape and they can just run this far and whatever. But really, it's not a miracle and they're not superhuman. They train really, really hard. I mean, anybody, I guess, could do it if you had the discipline to train and do stuff, but you know, so that's sort of something I learned is that it's not a superhuman feat. They are just really good athletes who have trained and dedicated themselves to be able to do this. So I learned something. But before we get into it, Josh, tell me, tell me what you know about the marathon. Just like off the top of your head, what, do you, what are your thoughts? What do, you, what do you immediately think of in marath- when you think about the marathon? Um, the, um, the story. I know it's like a. We, actually, we were talking about this earlier, so I, it's not just immediately coming to mind. But uh, with right. your with your family, the, the, that it's the based in the Greek lore, uh-huh. um, and uh, and and all that stuff. So that comes to mind. But also, just for for me, like uh, one of the things now is just the um, yeah the like the Boston Marathon, Chicago Marathon, right. like like popular culture marathons. Mm-hmm. Um, and how people uh, like, I, I know a lot of, of course the stickers in the back of cars. Okay. Yes. The, the 22.6 right? stickers. Yep. The, uh, the, uh, I did something you didn't. Here's a sticker. Yeah. Um, which I always appreciate cause I love those type of stickers. Yeah. Uh, so th- those are probably the, the first immediate things that come to mind. And then also not a marathon, but I now, I often actually think about the office episode where Michael Scott makes them do the charity run for rabies. Yeah. I think it's a 5k though. <laughs> or, yeah. The five. Yeah, no, but like, just like how they all react to it, you know, like yeah. in different ways. Yeah. And yeah, I imagine I've never, wa- and... yeah, I've never watched a marathon live in person, but I imagine that you see a lot of that. If you're a spectator, like a lot of like, there's a person who's obviously going to not make it. And there's a person yeah. who is like somehow unfazed and not tired at all. You know, like you see like the gamut of people. So yeah, I think well, about that, that, well. that is true. Even in the Olympics, um, there are people who don't finish the race and who collapse, uh, you know, before the finish line. And a lot of that is out of their control because of temperatures and what, you know, other weather conditions, like if it had rained if it is more humid or not, and just the general pace of the race that they may not, you know, kind of be used to is sort of out of their control. But yeah, that's kind of, I mean, I think that's what a lot of people think about when they think about the marathon. So here's a, wait, here's a, and here's another thing though, not to get controversial. It's okay. It's not really controversial, but <laughs> I, I would never, I, I'm never going to run a marathon. And the main reason why I'm not going to run one is as you know, me, I can, I can walk or not walk for hours. Yeah, you can walk a long time. Like I could, I could walk a marathon. Like if someone was like, "Let's walk a marathon," I'd be like, "Cool." You could do but it tomorrow. No I would training. do it right. I would do it this moment. I would do it while podcasting. I would do it while on Fireside. But <laughs> I can't believe somebody on Fireside hasn't done that yet because it seems like a very <laughs> Fireside thing to do. It does. So, but like to run a marathon, that is not not in my cards now. Mm-hmm. There, I, you know, there are, there, there, there are novice runners, 5k runners, and even novice runners are like, I'm going to do a marathon now. And then they run a marathon. And my question always, and I, the question I always want to ask is like, did you really run the marathon? Or did you walk some of it? Or did you have to like, yeah, did you walk some and like jog some or like walk, run some speed walk? Like, cause yeah. to like legit run a marathon, like you're running the whole time is an unbelievable feat in my mind. Yeah. 
Well, I've run two, I think two 5Ks. And I can tell you, I think I you know this, but I did not run the whole thing even in a 5K. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so let's get into it. Let's get into the marathon because it's super interesting. There's so many good stories I have to tell you. But before I do, I just want to quick reference all the um, places where I got my information. So marathontrainingacademy.com, of course, Wikipedia, marathonguide.com, history.com, insidethegames.biz. Um, <laughs> you love that one, the biz. I just was like, dot biz? What is this, 1997? Um, runnerstribe.com. Uh, I read uh, some excerpts from the official history of the Olympic Games in the IOC by David Miller. And I read a really great article from The Guardian uh, from 2011 by Andy Bell. So those are all my sources. So the Olympic marathon is the only foot race in the Olympics that is done on a road. All the other foot races are done on a track. Um, It is the last event to be held in the Summer Olympics, the very last one. A lot of times they will do the medal ceremony for the marathon uh, right before the closing ceremonies. Like it's all kind of one thing. The men's marathon has been a part of the Olympic Games since the first modern Olympic Games in 1896. Can you guess when the women's marathon was introduced? <laughs> it's Just take a guess. It's probably something uh, horrible like 1980. <laughs> um, close. It's 1984. <laughs> oh, geez. Even worse yeah. than I thought. <laughs> 1984 is the first women's Olympics marathon. So, but to understand... Um, I think the marathon and like you said, the story and stuff, I'm just going to really give you a little brief history, a little brief Greek history for all those Greek history buffs out there. So we're going to kick it way back. This is probably the furthest back we've kicked it, honestly. So in 490 BC, the Persian army led by Darius the Great, um, who was king of Persia, great, you know, famous conqueror, Um, He had conquered Babylon, he had conquered the Indus Valley, he had conquered Egypt, and then he was like, you know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to conquer Greece. And he did, like they did conquer most of of Greece. But some Greeks were for the Persian rule and they were like all about it and liked the Persians and all that, and others were not so much about the Persian rule. And there was a revolt. So the pro-Persians, the Greeks who were pro-Persians were exiled from Athens and Sparta, which were the two main big, you know, city states. And they, the Greeks kind of took back over control of Greece. Well, Darius isn't having that, right? He conquered them. You're not doing this. I'm in control. So he sends 20,000 men to teach those stinking Greeks a lesson. And they were met so they met in battle, the, the um, Greeks and the Persians met in battle in the town of Marathon. Um, there were 9,000 Athenian soldiers who were like super heavily armed and had really good weapons. And then about 10,000 other soldiers who were not as good and not as well armed. Um, and they had sent runners to Sparta to ask to, to tell them, you know, the Persians are here, we're fighting them, we need help. But they couldn't wait, so they did battle. And um, they lost. The Persians lost. So Darius, super ticked about that. Um, he's still in Persia at this time, or, or where, I don't know if he was in Persia, but not in Greece. And he decides he is going to replan this overtake of Greece, but this time he's going to lead it because that was the mistake he made, was that he didn't lead it. Um, So he starts planning this new invasion. Unfortunately, Darius dies. So he leaves this job up to his son, Xerxes. And you can see the rest of the story in the movie 300. (laughs) Or the graphic novel. Or the graphic novel. I would suggest the movie. Um, I guess the graphic novel is fine too. But so I'm not going to go into 300, obviously. It doesn't have anything to do with our story. So, okay, now we're back. Let's go back to the post um, victory at Marathon. We're at Marathon. We're all we're very happy because we're Greek. We have won. However, we see one of the Persian ships veer off 
and looks like it's headed to Athens. And this is a problem because all the Athenian army is currently at Marathon. And if the Persians get to Athens and tell them, guess what? We won the war. The plan in Athens was if Persia had won the war, they would kill all the women, kill all the children and burn the city to the ground because they would not, you know, because the women would be taken slaves. The children would either probably be killed by the Persians or also taken as slaves and they would just overtake the city. And the, the Athenians were, were not going to live that way. So the plan was if Persia won, that's what they were going to do. And the Persians were trying to get there to tell them, guess what we won, which wasn't true. So what do they got to do? They got to get someone to Athens, right? They got to get someone there. So who do they take? Who do they decide is going to do this? Well, back in the day, before phones, before internet, before mail, the way you got messages from one place to another was a runner. You had a professional runner, a professional messenger who could run really fast and far distances. And that was like their job. That's all they did. So for the Athenian army, it was a dude named Phidopides. Wait, let me say it again. I have it written phonetically in my notes. Phidopides. Phidopides. That's his name. Phidopides. I have to say it a couple times so it gets stuck in my head, you know, so that I can rehear myself say it. Uh, how is it pronounced? Phytopides. You got it. So he was, the, <laughs> so Phytopides was the, the messenger for the Athenian army. He had just, according to the history, the legend, I guess, he had just run um, to Sparta to ask for help from the Spartans to rally them to come and help the Athenian, Athenian ar- army. So running to Sparta and back was 240 kilometers. That's 150 miles. So he does that, supposedly. They can't wait. They fight. So now he has to run from Marathon to Athens to warn them, to tell them we act- the Greeks won, the Persians didn't r- win. And that was a distance of 40 kilometers or 25 miles. So to do this, and to be quick, he takes off all his clothes, all his weapons, and runs the entire distance naked. Ooh. Yeah. So not even a jock strap. <laughs> not even a not nary a <laughs> stitch on his little body. So he runs the 25 miles, gets there, bursts into the assembly, and with his dying breath, he says, We have won, and then collapses, dies right there before them. That's not what he said. <laughs> well, he said it in Greek. He said, uh, Nikki, Nikki, whatever the Greek word is, it's like Nikki something. Yeah, he um, put on his sneakers and he yelled Nike. Nike. Like, yeah, Nike. <laughs> yeah, and, then we all, and then we all bought a pair of Jordans and we're happy. <laughs> we all bought a pair of Phytopides. <laughs> um, so he dies on the steps of the coll- of the assembly, which I think you have a photo to, to post of a painting that commemorates Phytopides um, running from Marathon to Athens. In the chat, if you're interested, take a look in the chat. So this story is actually in historical accounts of the time by Herodotus, who was a famous um, Greek historian, though he doesn't really say that Phytopides ran from Marathon to Athens. He does say he ran from Marathon to Sparta and back, but it kind of gets lost a little bit that he ran to Athens to tell them about it. Um, But, you know, it kind of gets a little washy in there and the truth isn't really known. But this history inspired a poem by Robert Browning, husband of Elizabeth Barrett Browning, in 1879. And it's titled Phytopides. (laughs) Um, It's a good title. (laughs) That's actually what it looks like, how how it's pronounced. But I looked up on Google like pronunciation of phytopides and they have a little, you know, thing that you could listen to it. So I listened to it probably 25 times in a row to make sure it got <laughs> st- stuck in my brain. And then I wrote it phonetically in my notes. Um, so anyway, so Robert Bear Browning writes this poem in 1879 phytopides, and it becomes a pretty popular poem. 
Uh, I, I, I'm not, I don't have the poem, but you can just look it up and read it. It's okay. I mean, it's, it's a very 1879 poem about, you know, running and those romantics doing victory and things. Yeah. Dying on, on his last breath. And I think Robert Barrett Browning or Robert Browning is the one who put forth that he died, you know, cause it is very romantic. Um, I don't know that, that that's actually in the history that Herodotus wrote. So this poem is really popular and it is directly responsible for the creation of the Olympic marathon. So there are some guys, you know, rich white guys in the late 1800s talking about creating a gigantic sporting event for all the world to participate in. What can we do? What should we do? And people knew about the ancient Olympics because it was in histories and had written down and they had, you know, um, the uh, stadium in Athens actually was still standing. Parts of it was in ruin, but they knew that that was the Olympic stadium. So they were like, Oh, we're going to do a modern Olympic games. And they did, they, you know, kind of sold it to a bunch of other people who are on board and they decided the first modern Olympic games would be in 1896. And they had all these kinds, all these different sporting events that we don't have anymore. Um, I looked up a few of them and I, they were kind of, I don't know. There was one that was like, um, uh, they had some, I don't know, like lifting of a dumbbell was one of them. Like, you know, the old timey circus dumbbell. Nice. (laughs) That was one. And I was like, Oh, that's fun. Um, But they were looking for like a big, great event to sort of cap off, to sort of end the Olympics and, you know, kind of be this, this feat of, you know, like calls back the glory of the ancient games and, you know, brings it all into the present tense. Well, part of this group was a guy named Michael Burreal, and he was a big fan of this poem by Robert Browning. And he told his friends who was the main guy who started, his name was Baron Pierre de Coubertin. And so he told Coubertin about the marathon and thought like, Hey, we should do this. It'd be a great event. Let's do the marathon. And everybody was like, yes, marathon. This sounds amazing. Well, no one had really done a marathon. <laughs> you know, they no one had <laughs> Wait, done this before. This? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. this wasn't something that people did. Uh, they didn't run long races like this. So they decided, you know, they were going to have the marathon. The race was going to be run from Marathon Ridge to the Athens Stadium. So for the first Olympics, they actually reconstructed the ruin of the Athens Stadium and used that in the games, which I thought that was super cool. So the the uh, first marathon was from Marathon Bridge to the Athens Stadium, and it was a distance of 40 kilometers or 24.8 miles. So it's the last event. And it took place on April 10th, 1896. There were 17 runners in the race, 13 Greeks, and four runners from other countries. And most of whom, like, they ran long-distance track events, like the 1,500 or the the 10,000 and the 5,000 meters, but nothing close to a marathon. Um, most of them had never run on a, you know, like, on a road like that. It was always on tracks. Um, so, you know, it, they, nobody really prepared, like they didn't put in the work. They didn't know what they were really doing. So they, the night before they get to this town of marathon, which is, was a small town at the time. And a few of the runners, um, the Greek runners had a couple beers the night before just partied, you know, with Classic. the people of the, in the town of marathon, just hanging out, having a good time. Um, so the eventual winner of the race was, is a Greek guy named Spiridon Louis. And he later w- had this great excerpt about how, yeah, we got to the village and they all welcomed us really warmly because we had taken this cart there and it had been raining and we were all cold and they welcomed us with all this food and wine and we just partied and sang and danced all night. It was great, um, which is not something you would do currently running a marathon. So oh, maybe um, I would, maybe I would run a marathon then. <laughs> maybe you would. So, um, to get to, uh, be in the marathon, you had to, you had to complete a trial to get in it. And, um, Louie was in the fifth trial and he didn't do very well. 
or he was in this he wasn't in the first trial he got fifth in his trial that he ran in he didn't do super well so nobody really thought anything about him but he was a water deliverer and so that means he used a cart and a horse and did a lot of walking and was in pretty good shape because he delivered water um from to different towns so he, when the race started he was well in the back of the pack like you know, not he, he was running fine, but wasn't keeping up with the um, people who are favored to win, which were the medalists in the 1500 meters, um, a guy named Edwin Flack of Australia, and then Arthur, Arthur Blake of the United States, who also medaled in the 1500 meters. So they were leading for a long, long time. But again, like I said, no one had ever run this far. No one had, they hadn't even bothered to like practice running this far before they did the marathon. So in the midst of the race, Louie decided to stop in at a town and had a little bite to eat and some cognac and a glass of wine and just took a little bit of a rest. And his future wife and his wife, future wife, his wife's father were there to, you know, he, they had food and stuff for him. And he was like, uh, oh, hey, where are the other guys? Like, how far back am I? And they told him. And he's like, I'm going to overtake them. I'm not worried about it. And he did. He overtook them. So the other runners in the lead collapsed, obviously, because they didn't know what they were getting into. And Louie overtook them. And he made his way into the rebuilt arena. As I said, they rebuilt the um, stadium that they used in the original, the ancient Olympics to a crowd of 6,000 that was in the stadium. Now, at at this point in the games, this is the last event in the first Olympic Games. Greece had not medaled in any event. They thought for sure they had it in the discus, didn't medal. They thought they had it in a few other field events, didn't medal. They were feeling real low. So as this guy comes into the stadium, the crowd already knows he's in the lead because messengers are riding bikes like back and forth to bring updates about who's in the lead. The crowd goes insane. They have lost their minds. They're chanting his name um, because he is going to be the first and only medalist from Greece at these games. So he finished the race in two hours, 58 minutes and 50 seconds. Not too shabby. Not too shabby at all. Um, The second and third place winners were also Greek, but the third place winner was actually disqualified because he was found to have ridden in a carriage for some of the way. <laughs> That's my type of guy right there. Yeah. So he was disqualified <laughs> and Hungary's um, Gaula Kellner was given the bronze medal. So after the first Olympic marathon, the distance kind of fluctuated um, back and forth uh, and had different lengths, but not, not anything greater than like 25 miles uh, and it was finally settled on and became a set distance in the 1908 London Games. And it was set to be 42.195 kilometers or 26 miles and 385 yards. So that is the first Olympic marathon. There are many other notable moments from Olympic marathons. And I have narrowed it down to a few. It was really hard to choose um, moments to talk about in the Olympic marathon, because there's so many great ones of like people collapsing and being helped up and carried across the finish line by teammates and by people from other countries. That's just super moving. But these are some of the moments I picked. Are you ready? Oh, yes. So wait, wait, first off my first one, the guy who rode the barrel or in the the wagon, in the carriage. Well, Josh, (laughs) he actually wasn't the only Olympic marathoner to do so. Which brings me to the 1904 St. Louis Olympics. This this was before the official distance was firmly set. So this marathon was 24.8 miles. And it was held during record heat, record drought, dust everywhere, runners collapsing left and right. So half of the runners in this marathon didn't even finish. Oh, I forgot to say, after the Olympic marathon, um, the first marathon, it sparked marathon fever. And like then the Boston marathon started. That was the first um, non-Olympic marathon that started after the Olympic marathon. And they just spread all over and people went nuts for the marathon. 
I don't get it, but you know, very fit people. I'm sure you do. I get, I, I get that it's like a sense of accomplishment. Again, tr- they train very hard. So by 1904, people had done marathons. Like they knew what they were, they knew what they were getting into. It wasn't like the first people who had no idea what they were getting into. So in St. Louis, super hot, super dusty, runners collapsing all over. So one runner in the marathon who was from South Africa was actually chased by a pack of wild dogs during the marathon. And he ran a mile off course to try and get away from the wild dogs. <laughs> I think it's great that he just kept running. Well, he was running away from the dogs. He well, I know, but like, you know, like top in a house or like, I think because you know, it carriage. wound. Yeah, I think it wound through different parts because St. Louis wasn't you know all city back then. So, um, so the winner of this uh, 1904, 1904 marathon was Fred Lures from America. But guess what? He had ridden in a, in a carriage <laughs> or he had ridden in a car for 10 miles and he only no got way. out. Yeah. He only got out of the car after it broke down and then he finished the race and he had won, but obviously people found him out and he was disqualified. Um, the winner of the race was Thomas Hicks and towards the end, he was getting close to the end, but he was struggling, falling. It didn't look like he was going to be able to finish. So his assistants came up and gave him the following things. A dose of strychnine, sulfate in an egg white, and a little nip of brandy. Sounds like my typical breakfast. <laughs> yeah. So normally, <laughs> like, I mean, this mixture of things, strychnine in general, like, this could have killed him. Yeah. But it did the trick, and he won. Huh. And. Yeah, and and the officials were like, "Oh, yeah, he was helped a little bit, but we're going to allow it." Because they literally were running out of people to finish the race at this point. Um, so after this insane race with wild dogs and heat and drought and cheating, uh the Olympic officials were like, "We're not doing this again. This is uh, this is against humanity to continue this race. It's cruel. We're not doing it anymore." But people weren't having that. They wanted their Olympic marathon back and just marathons in general. So they did not do away with the Olympic marathon. Our next memorable moment from the Olympic marathon comes from the 1936 Berlin Olympics. Now, what do you know, Josh, about the 1936 Berlin Olympics? When I say that, what do you think of? Adolf Hitler. Yeah. Who else do you think of? Jesse Owens. Right. So the most memorable kind of story from the 1936 Olympics is Jesse Owens um, winning several events, meddling, and, um, you know, kind of stick it in the face of Hitler. And there's actually a really good movie about it, too, about Jesse Owens in the 1936 Olympics to watch if you are interested in that. But there's another story from the 1936 Olympics that doesn't get, at least in Western culture, doesn't get as much attention as Jesse Owens, but is just as moving and poignant and about people a group of people struggling to overcome oppressors and that is the story of sun ki chung the gold medalist in the 1936 olympic marathon for japan except sun was not japanese he was korean at this time korea was occupied by japan He had been under Japanese occupation since he was like four in Korea and he was forced to compete in marathons for Japan. He was forced into training as a child because he was naturally a good athlete and good at running. And he was forced to compete under the Japanese flag. He was forced to change his Korean name and use the Latin alphabet to spell his Japanese name, which was Sun Kaitai. It wasn't even his name, but they forced him to race under um, this Japanese name. So he won the marathon because he was a, an extremely good athlete. And during his medal ceremony, Sun refused. Sun won the gold medal. And then another Korean um, who was racing for Japan won the silver medal. Sun refused. They both refused to lift their heads while the anthem was playing. And um, Sun had when they got their like wreath and, and the metal, he also for some reason was holding a small Oak tree and he used that 
to cover his chest and hide the Japanese flag. And I think we have a picture of him doing that. It's a really famous picture. It's just not famous like in Western culture, which I don't really know why, but it's very moving. Um, and Josh just put that up in the chat if you want to look at that. So he, you know, obviously felt a great deal of shame and, and this win didn't really mean anything, but he actually broke the world record at the time for this during this marathon. While he was doing press and stuff for the games before the marathon, he tried to tell people that he was not Japanese. He signed his name um, with Korean characters, and he would even sometimes draw a little tiny picture of Korea next to his name so that people knew he wasn't Japanese, he was Korean. But his handlers, who were translating for him, refused to translate those things and refused to translate what he was saying. And he didn't speak German or English or anything but Korean and Japanese. And he felt really trapped after um, the Olympics, like the closing ceremonies, the Japanese Olympic team had this big party at their house at the place they were staying. But Sun and the silver medalist didn't go because they were so ashamed. And they went over to this um, activist, this Korean activist house who was fighting for Korean independence from Japan And there was the first time when they were at this guy's house that they saw the Korean flag. They had never seen it like within their memory because they had been occupied by Japan for so long. He had never seen the Korean flag and was, he was like moved to tears when he saw it. Wow. Yeah. So he had been recorded as winning the gold medal for Japan under a Japanese name for like 50 years. So in 1986, Son was invited to a special ceremony in Culver City where his name and his nationality were officially changed on a monument to Olympic marathon winners. And it was changed in the records to really reflect his Korean identity. Two years later, he carried the torch into the stadium for the opening ceremonies of the Seoul Olympics. Wow. He was a marathon, the coach um, for the Korean marathon team for a long time, coached a lot of people. Just, you know, once Japan was an occupying Korean war, lived a really full life and is revered in Korea. And uh, like just, I mean, everybody knows the story in Korea. So I thought it was really important to make sure everybody else knew it too, because I thought it's a really good story. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, our next moment comes from the 1952 Helsinki Games. And Emil Zatopek was um, a runner from Czechoslovakia. And he won three gold medals in this games. One in the 5,000 meters, one in the 10,000 meters. And then just on a whim, Emil decided to compete in the marathon at the last minute. Because he was like, I can do this. I train really hard. Which he did. He normally... A lot of times when he was training in a day at a track, he would do 20 400s in one day as part of his training, which I was trying to figure out like how long that would take because I used to run the 400 and I was like, I have no clue. So he didn't specifically train for the marathon, but like I said, he trained really hard anyway. So he he was obviously in good shape and he had this idea. He was like, I'm just going to keep pace with the guy who they think is going to win this Jim Peters. I'm just going to keep pace with him. And if I can keep pace with him, maybe I'll get a medal. Maybe I won't. So he did keep pace with Jim Peters of Great Britain and he eventually overtook him. And he set his, not only did he win the gold, he set his third Olympic record of that games. Cause he set a record in the 5,000, the 10,000, then he set a record in the marathon. He is the only person ever to win the triple they call it in long distance at the Olympic games. Wow. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Our next moment comes from the 1960. See, I'm doing this chronologically. If you can tell. Oh, chronologically (laughs) comes from the 1960 Rome games. And it is here that the marathon was won for the first time by an African. And this game has ushered in the uh, sort of opening the world to the dominance of African runners. It was won by Abibi Bikila of Ethiopia. And he set 
a new world record during this run. He was the first African to win it and he did it barefoot. He ran the marathon barefoot, not because he's from Ethiopia or he's African, but because the Adidas shoes he was given for his team hurt his feet and he couldn't run in them. So he decided to run barefoot. So he, the world record he set was of two hours, 15 minutes and 16 seconds. So if you remember the first game, the first Olympic marathon was run in two hours, 58 minutes and 50 seconds. So we've come quite a ways here. Um, so he won in 1960. He came back in the 1964 Tokyo games, won the marathon again. And he was the first person to win back-to-back marathons. And at the Tokyo games, he set another world record of two minutes, 12 seconds, two, or two hours, 12 minutes, and 11 seconds. And this time he was wearing proper shoes, which had been provided to him by ASICs. <laughs> I was going to say, what happened there? <laughs> yes, he, won, he was wearing proper shoes. Um, our next moment is from the 1984 games. And this is the first women's marathon. If, if you remember, I told you the first women's marathon wasn't started in the Olympics until 1984, which is some shit big time. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, this was the LA games. Um, some of you may remember the LA games. I was just a wee little baby then. So I don't really, I don't have any remembrance. I don't have any remember of it, but it was one by an American, Joan Benoit Samuelson. She Joan was not favored to win. She um, was a good runner, but not like the top. You know what I mean? She had to do her Olympic trial 17 days after she had knee surgery. Like they wouldn't move it for her. So she had knee surgery 17 days later. She has to do her Olympic trial. Um, so as she's running the race, she's doing really well. Not only does she win, but she beat her closest rival by one minute and 26 seconds, which is huge in running. I mean, that's a huge gap. So I thought that was a cool moment that an American won the first women's Olympic marathon. Our next moment, 2008. We're jumping up here. Um, It's the 2008 Beijing Olympic Games, and it is... We are on the road with 21-year-old Sammy Wanjeru of Kenya. And he is the first Kenyan to win the Olympic marathon. And he won it in brutally hot conditions. Um, it was so hot, hotter than normal uh, running conditions for the marathon. So the Kenyan and the Ethiopian teams decided before this race that they were just going to run it like a trial. So, which means they were going to run fast and hard the whole time. They weren't going to do like a pace thing where they, you know, do this much distance and a low pace and then they bring it up to a medium and then go back down. Nope. They were going all out the whole time. So not only did, um, Sammy win, but he set an Olympic record of two hours six minutes and 32 seconds, which still stands to this day. It has not been broken. Um, Sadly, Sammy died a few years ago in a weird, like it was a weird, I was reading about it and it was a weird, like they don't know if he was murdered or if he jumped off his balcony or what, but his wife had caught him in bed with another woman and she locked them on the balcony and then, he either fell or was pushed or w- jumped. They don't know. And, and was tragically killed. Um, so that's really sad. Sorry to bring you down. Thanks. Sorry about that. Um, our last Olympic marathon moment comes from the 2012 London games. And this is the, another women's marathon. And this marathon was won by Ethiopia's Tiki Galana. And not only did she win the race, she fell during the race and like fell hard during the race, got back up, kept running. Um, and before the race had started, it had like downpoured twice and the streets were just super slick and it wasn't again, normal running conditions, which I don't know at this point, I'm starting to think there are no normal Olympic running conditions. I don't know. <laughs> right. Um, 
but she set a Olympic record for uh, Olympic women's marathon record of two hours, 23 minutes and seven seconds that also still stands to this day. And she, um, there's this really great story about how when she was growing up, you know, she kind of always looked up to all these really famous Ethiopian marathon runners and didn't think that she would be one of them. And, you know, also wasn't really favored to win this race, but due to her training, because this, the course for the London Olympic marathon had a lot of tight corners that marathons don't normally have. And a lot of runners were affected by that because they had not trained that way, but she had, and she was like, Oh man, I got these corners. I can do this and kind of blew everybody away um, with her win and her record, which still stands. So I thought that was super cool. So this year's um, marathon for the 2021, I guess, um, Tokyo games is going to be on a course that's actually 500 miles outside of Tokyo um, in a town called Sapporo. And normally the marathon finishes inside the Olympic stadium. That's how it's always been done. This one is not going to be that way. They will not finish obviously because it's 500 miles away in the Olympic stadium. They cannot have spectators um, view this one. And the course is they called it a pinwheel. So they're going to be kind of doing laps, I guess. Oh, um, weird. This course. So yeah, I think it'll be exciting to watch Uh, this year. It'll be a little bit different because there's normally a lot of spectators for the Olympic marathon, but there won't be any this year. Um, so we'll see what that's like. And all I can think of there, all I can think of is in high school, you had to run the track. You had to do like four laps of the track around the football yeah, field. Yeah, that's a mile, one, gosh. To, no, I know. To uh-uh. get to one mile. So imagine if you just had it like, they're like, run this football track. <laughs> I know, 40 times or however much it is. Yeah. yeah, that'd be hilarious. No, it's a bigger, it's bigger than that. But yeah, that would be, that would be funny. But that is the story, the the brief history of the Olympic marathon. Epic. Yeah, that, epic. That, that was a marathon of a story. <laughs> uh, twice. That's twice I've done that joke now. Thank you. Yeah, you're on a roll here. You, uh, you can, I, five dollars if you can fit it in again. <laughs> easily, easily do that again. <laughs> uh, the uh, my, 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 I thought maybe when you were telling the story about Spiros, the first winner. Yes. Because uh, I I love that story so much. Yeah, it's a great that, story. The fact that he stopped and was like, "I'm just going to have a little sniff of wine here and some snackies." Yeah. Um, I, I love all that stuff, but. Uh, when you're, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure if you saw in your research of them, but uh, you know, I have, to, I have some questions that I have to ask you as part of our, 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 uh, our bit here, right? Yeah. So your, your quiz questions. So as right. I was doing my quiz question research, I did see also in the 1936 Olympics. Did you see this? Um, that he was invited by Adolf Hitler to be a yes. guest of honor. Yeah, I saw that. It was his, that 1936 Olympic appearance was actually his last um, public appearance. And because uh, he died shortly thereafter. But after he won, after Sparrows won the um, Olympic gold medal, he was a celebrity in Greece, obviously. And like the king offered him all this stuff and people kept offering him gifts and like money and all this stuff. And he turned it down. The only thing he wanted was a new cart and a horse to help his father and him with their water delivery business, which he still did. After that. That's like he amazing. Was like, no, I'm good. I, this is all I want. But he was um, a national hero and the cup he had won, he won because uh, he didn't win a medal. He actually won a cup. They th- was in his family forever. And I think in the eighties or the nineties, his, uh, one of his ancestors, his like great, great grandson donated it to an organization that auctioned it off for like over a million dollars. I don't know. And it's in some Olympic um, museum somewhere. They have a, a photo of it. It's really cool. For a hot second. I thought you were going to say, and he sold it on eBay. Uh, <laughs> he just sold it on eBay. <laughs> he didn't care. <laughs> and his great, great nephew sold it on eBay. Uh, my other yeah. favorite, th- the, but uh, about uh, that story is that he was the only member of the Greek um, contingent to not salute Hitler back. Spiros was. Yes, he did not. Oh, when yeah. Hitler did the standard Nazi not salute not. to them, when he greeted them, Spiros refused to do it. Well, good for him. I know. Good guy. See, I hear him guy. all over the place. 
I know. It's fantastic yeah. stuff. So, anyways, uh, fantastic story. Loved everything about it. And, and the, the amazing thing is, is I like you. You told several different stories, but you know, there's like another dozen amazing marathon there's Olympic so stories. So many. Like I really had to pick and choose the stories I was going to tell, and because there's so many great moments. You know, we only have so much time to do this podcast, but yeah. Uh, so at this point, uh, for those joining us right now, and who maybe not listened to a Go Team episode before, this is quiz time. Quiz time of the show when uh, the, the uh, non-storyteller, myself today, gets to quiz the storyteller on the topic that they just discussed. Now, you and the audience, currently live here on Fireside, can help Kelly out as I quiz her. Feel free to drop what you think the answer is in the chat box uh, and uh, help her out. So, Kelly, are you ready for your quiz questions? If you can find something that I haven't already researched, because I, I mean, that's this is basically all I've been doing all week is researching the marathon. If you find something that I don't know the answer to, I'm going to be shocked. <laughs> oh, unless okay. it's about like actual marathon training, which I know nothing about. <laughs> well, the first one, my first question for you is. Um, I, I did look up, I wanted to find some very, uh, factoidy stuff. So I, I actually looked up a report, uh, called marathon statistics, 2019 research study. It was the global running conference that was hosted in China, did a full on study of all marathon stats. Okay. Woof. Okay. And, and in this study, they wanted to find out what the average running time was for all the people who were registered marathon runners for a registered race, a timed race throughout the world. Mm -hmm. So my question to you is what is the average running time for a marathon runner? Okay. Your, okay. your, your multiple choice answers are, Four hours and 29 minutes, hmm. five hours and 15 minutes, three hours flat, just flat three hours, or seven hours and 10 minutes. Huh. What is the average running time for a marathon runner? Do you need those numbers again? I no, I might in a minute. I don't think it's seven hours. Okay. Because I think people who are running a marathon, even if you're a casual, like if running's your hobby, you're going to run it in more than seven hours, right? Less than seven hours. Less than seven hours. Yeah, that's what I meant. Even if you stop for a little wine and some cheese. Even if, or, a sulf, or, a, or a sulfate-laden egg white. I yeah. mean, even then. Okay, so not seven hours. Again, anybody wants to chime in, feel free. She's narrowed it down to four hours and 29 minutes, five hours and 15 minutes, or three hours even for the average runner. I just wish I was a runner because I would have had better knowledge. If anybody is a runner, anybody who's listening to us later on on their streaming service is screaming at me right now what it is. Um, I don't think it's three hours because – the the record is I what did I say two hours and six. All right, minutes? just pick one. I don't need a whole like. Oh my god! Okay, fine. I'm gonna say <laughs> five hour the five hour one. All right, you've guessed five hours and fifteen minutes for the average runtime. Yeah, it is actually four hours and twenty nine oh, minutes. Four hours. That's pretty fast. I know, right? That's that's pretty good for the average person. Now remember, that's average. So there's people average. who are doing it like twenty hours. Uh, as well as those who are setting the records. So I don't think anybody does that in 20 hours. Uh, it's true. I haven't run yet. Um, <laughs> all right. Question number two. Okay. According to the same study of marathon runners worldwide, they decided to take a look at the, at the run times that were submitted, and uh, they wanted to find out from what country the best runners were from based on the times recorded. Okay. Okay. So with that, I'm going to ask you which of these country has the slowest, the slowest, ah! the worst <laughs> marathon runners. Okay. Do you and know who the best was? Was it Ethiopia? I did not even look. I'm sorry. Oh. 
I was all ready for like Ethiopia. <laughs> and crazy enough, this is also for this is for men and women. Okay. Okay. So this is okay. it, this is universal for people from universally these, this bad marathon runners. Okay. Your 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 options are for the slowest runners of a marathon in the world: A, the United States; mm. B, the Philippines; C, Australia; or D. Venezuela. Ooh. Your slowest runners are either A, United States, B, the Philippines, C, Australia, or D, Venezuela. Um, I know it's not the United States or Australia. Because they have, Australia has a lot of distance runners that are really, really good. And I know the United States does as well. I'm going to say the Philippines. You are correct. Yes. The Philippines. The average male from the Philippines runs it at five hours and 22 minutes on average. Ooh. And the average female uh, from the Philippines runs it at five hours and 44 minutes, roughly. Huh. That's interesting. Very interesting. Also, even more interesting, the number two slowest country is India in both categories as well. Oh. I wonder why that is. I would imagine it's something to do with like, cause they're densely populated countries and like, you know, room to run continuously without having to stop. I maybe as a factor. Maybe. Or now here's, tigers? I, I don't know. I want to ask you too. Now, since you wanted to know and you thought you knew the answer, what's your guess for fastest country for males I on average? Kenya or Ethiopia. Okay. So this is on average. Remember? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, maybe Australia. It is Spain. Wow. Can you believe that? Um, not really. I know. Surprising. And on average, the fastest country for women is Switzerland. Huh. That's yeah. surprising. Pretty amazing. But I don't know. The altitude, I guess. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe they just have so many people that run marathons there that it brings the average down. Oh, yeah. Could be. I don't know. So uh, your final question in the quiz round. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the world record holder in the marathon for women. Do you know who that is? It's Tiki Galena. No, not, not Olympic. This is just any oh, not marathon. Olympic. Not just Olympic. any marathon. Okay. Um, I don't she, know who it is. She I don't ran know about at, the Olympic marathon. I know. Sorry. So she ran it at the Chicago marathon and uh, it was. Oh yeah. Just in 2019, right? She set a record. Yep. In 2019. Uh, I, I might say her name wrong, but it's Brigid Koski. And she set the new record at the Chicago marathon. Okay. Before I tell you the time of that she ran, which of these things takes took longer to do you ready for this oh gosh this is a good one did it take okay. <laughs> longer for Brigitte Kuski to ride to to run the Chicago Marathon or did it take longer for me <laughs> what? I just can't wait wait I don't know what you're gonna say and I'm anticipating all these things that you could say right now so <laughs> <laughs> For you to what? I don't know. Uh, I was. I, I, see, now I feel bad because it's not going to be. It's not going to live up to the hype that's in your brain. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, is, or did it take longer for me to watch my favorite uh, movie with running in it, Forrest Gump? Um, it's just between those two. Yep. Which one? I takes longer think, to watch Forrest Gump or to watch Brigitte Kuski set the world record in the marathon? I think it takes longer for you to watch Forrest Gump. It does. It does take longer <laughs> to watch Forrest Gump. It takes you, it would take the, the any person two hours and 22 minutes to watch Forrest Gump, which in the movie, famously Forrest Gump runs across the country, which is much longer than a marathon. Uh, Whereas Brigitte Kresge set the Chicago Marathon, set the record for marathon runs at two hours and 14 minutes, roughly. So shorter for her to run the marathon than for you to watch Forrest Gump. Wow, that was a good question. 
<laughs> yeah. Now, later on, I will ask you of all the crazy things that came into your brain <laughs> of what I was going to compare it to. <laughs> I was just I thought thinking, like, you're probably thinking something like get groceries from the store or like <laughs> come mean, home when you said you were going to come home. I was thinking of like specific instances in our life. Like, did it take longer for Brigitte Kresge to run the Chicago Marathon or for me to put together that stupid red push car we got um Dashell when he was three, which took longer. <laughs> I'd be like, "Oh, you putting together the car for sure?" Yeah. And so when you, when, I mean, when you look at it that way, it's like, "Oh, maybe I could run a marathon. It only takes a couple of hours." But me, I, as long the, as I, you can swear as much as you did putting together that little red car, then sure, I'm sure you can <laughs> throw a wrench or whatever. I'm sure you would do the same. And again, as long as I can pull a Spiros and stop for a snack. Tough stuff for a snack and a wine. Well. Um, normally we would do the grading thing because we would give each other a score based on our story, but I don't know that we need to do that with the Olympics because we have an amateur's athlete's heart. And I would say you can just give me a gold, a silver or a bronze medal for this. Story. Oh. oh, okay. So just, a, just an overall grade, huh? I would say a general, like, um, you can, yeah, just a general, sportsmanlike grade of the job I did in this story. Uh, like how right, right. Well, the story, come on, hands down. How many facts? Hands you know. down. I doubt anybody in the audience live here on Fireside with us would would question it. You get a gold medal, Kelly. Gold medal performance. I mean, was I lovely. wasn't going to push it, but I, w- I mean, I would just think like, yeah, I did looks a like, pretty good Looks job. like Lily agrees. And Thanks, Lily. And she's usually a pretty hard grader with me, so. She is not a hard grader. She's a good grader. She's fair and she's accurate. <laughs> That's right. So uh, I will be sure to uh, provide you with your winnings, which is a new cart for your water deliveries. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So that's it tonight for our show. I mean, this was a really good topic. I had a lot of fun researching it. I have so much respect for the Olympic marathon. I actually can't, I can't wait to watch it now. So I hope we all watch the Olympic marathon and I hope you go into watching it and can whoever you're watching it with be real annoying with like, did you know that the first women's (laughs) marathon wasn't actually until 1984? Can you believe that? And then, you know, pepper in all those kind of facts and stuff like that and just really look smart. Yeah, and the beautiful thing about podcast. Yeah, the beautiful thing about podcast. You can just drop like a, like an earbud in one ear, and then have the other person sit on the other side of you, and then oh, play yeah. replay this podcast while the marathon's going, and then just like spot the stuff out because we literally are halfway through the time it, almost it takes Brigitte Kresge to run a marathon. Oh, Brigitte! <laughs> so, uh, we're 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 just over an hour. Just give her another hour, and she's setting another record. So she's running. Uh, 24 miles we can't 26 miles can't do it yeah Yeah. and my and my parting thought we always like to have a little parting thought my parting thought is as much as i love spiros and his ability to win the race while also taking a break halfway through um the fact i can't remember his name you can tell me real quick the the guy who ran it barefoot oh a bb um yeah that's uh hang on let me go i mean he's running on pavement that's a bb bikila of yeah. Ethiopia ran like barefoot. that's amazing yeah yeah it's amazing it was amazing yeah I think the thing that really did it for me to decide on the marathon when I was reading about all the different Olympic events was I actually read this article about the story of Song Kichong from Korea who was forced to run for Japan and just his his the story of his life so if you're interested in knowing more about it I really urge you to look him up and read about his life Cause it was a, he had an amazing life and, and did these really amazing things. And that's really kind of what prompted me to want to research the marathon. And turns out it was just full of great stories. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you noticed in the chat here, but, but Lily, who's one of our, our great audience members who join us, joins us a lot, put in, put in the chat there that her aunt was a semi-qualifying runner. Wow. That's amazing. And when I first read it, I was like, she kind of qualified? That's how I read it. I was like, semi-qualified? So I, I'm assuming it's not that she kind of qualified. I'm sure it was like semi-finals running. 
Yeah, probably. Because you do have to <laughs> you have to do a lot of qualifying to to be able to run in the Olympics. Like it's not just a oh yeah, you you ran a marathon, you can do it. You got to do quite a lot of qualifying. I think you got to. I don't know. Three. You told the one story about the guy who was like, "Hey, you guys need another to run today." I yeah, just that was in nineteen fifty something. <laughs> That was that was not that was um 1952. They didn't and plus he was already a distance runner, so they were probably like, whatever, you're fine, Emil. Yeah, well, you'll be fine. That's um, amazing. I think it's because like yeah. there is there is a there's a lot of training into it, but but with any sport, there's those people who are just naturally gifted, right? Like just yeah, they're a good runner automatically. Yeah. And, just just good athletes. And and then it's just boom, they can they can do that stuff. So um, yeah. Yeah, amazing. Great story. Great time. Thank you so much to everyone who joined us in in uh, live here on Fireside tonight. Uh, it was great to be back. We had, like you said at the beginning, we had a little break. You you you, you busted off the rust perfectly. You threw on some WD forty. You got loosened up. It was great. Great. I'm glad. I I mean I, I feel I got I feel like I got back into the swing of it midway through. Yeah, like a marathon you, runner. I hit yeah. my stride. Exactly. You, you hit your stride. It was not a slog at all. It wasn't a slog of a run like a marathon can be. You yeah. you cruise through. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Thanks. All right. Well, that's about it. We're all wrapped up for night. Those who have not listened before are new to Fireside. Thanks for joining. Those who uh, have not heard Go Team stories before, uh, don't forget to check us out on your favorite streaming platform. Kelly's, she's the guru. She's got us on them all. We're you on all, wherever you like to pod. We're probably there. You name Apple, it, you can get the pod. Spotify. Um, I we just got on iHeartRadio last month, so that was really exciting. Stitcher, Amazon Podcast. We're there. Check us out. We have some really good past episodes um, about other teams, actual teams, not the Olympics. So check us out there, um, and like and subscribe too, please. That helps us out a lot. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Don't forget to check out previous episodes recorded here live on Fireside as well via Kelly's profile and my profile. Just click on our uh, beautiful mugshots there and uh, and get all the details of previous episodes. And we'll be back next week. So look for the calendar invites on Fireside here and uh, can't wait to get back at it again next week. Kelly, I think there's only one thing left to say tonight. Go team. Go team. <laughs>